Hello everyone and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 59 of the Sports Run-On Podcast. We're going to start this Monday edition of the podcast by talking about it, by, by talking about something big that's going down in the NFL at the moment, and that is Aaron Rodgers going back and forth to the Packers organization with his future in the NFL and where he wants to play his remaining days in the NFL and what teams he wants to quarterback. Right now, it's looking like for this upcoming season, he will be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, even though a lot of people thought that for many reasons he would not be the quarterback of them for the upcoming season because of a dispute with the front office, the GM, and many other many other people who are in the Packers organization. He will end up actually playing, but the, the difference with his contract that they are attempting to put together with him and it's looking like will be put together is after this season, in this year 2022, he will pick where he plays. And the Packers have no... They have no ability to change that or pick where he plays. So it's it's just, this is kind of like what a lot of people are saying is a last stance. A lot of case because Rodgers, who is, when it comes to the last stance, Jordan, he also needs his Pippen. And his Pippen in this uh, in this case is Devontae Adams, who is his star receiver. Some would call him Jordan, but I feel like just quarterback because of a leader of the team, I feel like a lot of people would call Roger Jordan. But it's now looking like if Rodgers goes... Devontae Adams will go, and that's looking like the entire offensive attack for the Packers as they have a decent running back core, but obviously, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this before, but if, if I haven't, the Packers fans have not been very happy over the last couple of years, especially when it comes to drafting receivers. Because Aaron Rodgers, you have Aaron Rodgers, who's won, he's won a Super Bowl against the Steelers, and he's just a very, like, well, he's without a doubt Hall of Famer, it's in most likely a first ballot. But everybody's mad now because they're like, Aaron Rodgers, he's such a good quarterback. Get the man some receivers. Like, he has to have someone to throw the ball to. Like, he's out here winning NFC championships with receivers that are coming in the third and fourth round. Like, that's just that's just a no-go, which is why, obviously, people were happy when they got Devontae Adams. He's uh, obviously one of the, a lot of people would say he's one of the best one-on-one receivers when it comes to short routes in the NFL. Maybe not deep routes because he doesn't have the size advantage of somebody as, say, like Julio Jones or DK Metcalf because they those guys have a taller, bigger frame to go up and get the ball, such as because whenever you look for that, you look at you look at size and um, length and size and length and the ability to go get the ball. That's why people thought of Calvin Johnson as such a good jump ball receiver because he was able to, he was tall. He, he was very muscular, and he was able to go get the ball. That's another reason why they like Julio Jones. They look, they look for jump ball receivers that are built like Calvin Johnson for the most part. Dante Adams isn't built like that. He's built for a quicker – not I wouldn't even say quicker route because he's not – like he's definitely bigger than Tyreek Hill. Like they can run him across the middle, but like he's just an overall very good receiver because of a because of a speed that he can do, he, and he has great breakaway ability. So when they got Devontae Adams – the Packers were very happy. I just think this is interesting, this kind of last ride. Like, I, I really don't know. And it's going to be interesting to, interesting to see what all this contract has because I feel like a lot of people are like, they're going to literally have to give Aaron Rodgers the key to Green Bay to get him to stay for another season. And some may say, oh, yeah, well, they just gave Aaron Rodgers the key to Green Bay. Maybe. I don't I don't know. I think that's just, just going to depend. And, I mean, I, I still think that if they – I mean, I'd say I think if they go deep that he would stay for another year. But, I mean, that's not that's not completely true because they've, they've gone deep the last couple of seasons. And he has – obviously, his, his dislike for the GM and the way that this, this team overall is handled – is obviously outrivaling the fact of his want to stay in Green Bay. Like his his want and his love for the city is not stronger than his dislike and his I wouldn't I, yeah just just like his his dislike with the way that this the team in general is being handled by the people who are in charge of this of this franchise. So I think it's gonna be very interesting to see what all that contract entails. 
Now moving on to the MLB, which is coming up to the trade deadline. The 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 San Diego Padres made a pretty big move signing Adam signing Adam Frazier, who was a who was without a doubt one of the top players on the Pirates. Who, as a lot of people know, if you know the Pirates, is not a very strong team this year. There there a lot of people would say putting them in rebuild mode right now would be nice because they're. There's a lot of people that are just not happy with the Pirates. They're like, this is a, Pittsburgh, it's a very proud city. A lot of people call it the city of champions. Then you have the Pirates who are arguably the laughing stock of the MLB, if, if, and they would be if Arizona didn't exist. The Diamondbacks didn't exist this season. So they're, they're acquiring Adam Frazier, who is a, one, of the, one of the glimmers of hope left on this pretty bad, pretty bad Pirates team. And they're getting him for an infielder to Kaptian Marcano, Jack Jack Sawinski, who is an outfielder, and right-handed pitcher Mitchell Milano. So I, I feel like this was a good pickup for the Padres. I feel like putting him with Fernando Tatis, that's going to be a very good um, pairing because Padres, another team that they they used to, uh, in a lot of cases, be like the Pirates. They were I wouldn't I wouldn't exactly I don't think they were a laughing stock to the degree that the Pirates are this season, but I think that I I still do think that. They were they were not what people man like. I'm so happy to be a Padres fan. There weren't many saying that, and then for a good while now, they're starting to say it now because they're starting to build a team around Fernando Tatis because they see just the absolute raw ability that he has. Which I mean, is it's smart. Like you you pick a player and you build a team around. And we saw that we saw that, and we've seen that in many different teams: the MLB, the NBA. Like look at any pro sport, you're going to see teams that are successful because they found a, they found someone who had just absolutely raw talent. And and they built a team around them, which I mean, I, I I wouldn't even argue. I mean, I think that's really good GM work to build a team whenever you see raw talent, raw talent that you can't, you just can't train. So I feel like taking this from, I feel like this just, I mean, the the, the Pittsburgh Pirates are pretty much they're just in rebuild mode. They're looking, they're looking like five years down the road now. These next couple teams are kind of just going to be in the wash for the Pirates, just trying to get back into even contention. I mean, yes, they still have Cabrian Hayes, and I'm. To be completely honest, you're kind of surprised he's still on the Pirates because I think he's a very good talent, and I'm surprised no teams have come after him like they've come at Frazier and looked at other pitchers on this Pirates organization. But they, Frazier now isn't is a Padre. I think that three players was a good amount for Frazier. Like obviously he's not a he's not a showy Atani. He's not a face of baseball type of player, but he is still stat wise a very very talented player. So I think that a three without a doubt was the minimum to be able to get Frazier to leave Pittsburgh, which is exactly what the Padres were giving him. Now moving on to the Olympics, the Olympics are now in full swing with history being made in the skateboarding. Skateboarding, which is now is now becoming an which is now an Olympic sport. Thirteen year old girl from Japan. Momji Nishawa, who is an Osaka native, who she has won the gold medal at just 13 years of age, which is just absolutely crazy to me. Her Brazil's Rasa Leal and and a 16-year-old Funa Nakama, who is 16, was able to take home the bronze medal. Like to think that we have two 13s and a 16-year-old leading an Olympic sport is just absolutely crazy to me. Like it's crazy to just. Look at the young talent that's around the world in these specific sports that are now coming into the spotlight now that they've got the ability and the go-ahead to become Olympic sports. I think that's great for these kids, obviously, that they are... I think it's crazy that they're able to be do this good this young and be able to pull off some of the tricks 
having to do with skateboarding that they are. So I, I mean, I just think it's really impressive to see kids this young that are performing at such a high level whenever a lot of people could a lot of 13 year olds couldn't even imagine even competing at a high level let alone competing and representing your country to and we were able to win a gold medal in the olympics first ever women's skateboarding event that was able to take place when it as it was just added this year in tokyo so i think that's just great for all three of these for all three of these young ladies who are able to help that, that help grow this sport and put it on the map, helping win at a young age and showing that it's not impossible for these different athletes to be able to come and show up on a big stage, even being as young as they are. Like it's it's not it doesn't take 24, 25 year olds to be able to be great on on the big stage. What I, I I think that's just really and I think it shines a really good light on this sport as a whole. Some of the older Olympians and what a, a bit and a big shocker for the U.S. is Katie Ledecky, who was a top swimmer for the U.S., winning me, many medals and just many many championships for the for the U.S. swim team. Was not actually able to take home gold. She was able to medal. She was able to take home swim, but was what what was but was able was actually beat by the Aussie swimmer Ariana Titmus from from Australia. Like I and I, I watched this event. I think it was just crazy. Like it, it really looked like Ledecky had this even with them being two rivals because of just how skilled both of these guys are, competing, competitive nature, and just everything having to do with that. I just think it's it's crazy. Like she and Ledecky even said the ability that she has really having this competition really pushing her to be a better swimmer overall. But with that with that said, I really think that this was just an, a crazy race for the for this um th this this swimming race that they were able to go against. And it was just crazy to see Kayla Decky, who for a lot for for many years for many Olympics was just like really was really prized as one of the best female swimmers in the world, if not the best female swimmer in the world. At that time, I definitely would think, and maybe even some would some would argue she's getting to the point of being one of the best female swimmers ever. So seeing seeing someone who is obviously that highly touted lose to someone is just kind of crazy, especially whenever she's coming from what is usually a um, Olympic powerhouse in the USA, who is um, without a doubt very far ahead. Who, who over all time, what I'm trying to say is all time is very far ahead in the Olympic medal count in all Olympic medals, gold, silver, and bronze. The next Olympic sport we're going to be talking about is U.S. basketball team, who has a lot of. Speaking of the U.S., very scared. Like they're, 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 there's no hesitation. They're very scared. They lost their first game of the Olympics after losing, after losing multiple exhibition games for the first time in multiple decades. Like this, this is just. A lot of people say this is panic mode for the U.S. Like they're, they're very scared. A lot of people, as I said in my last podcast. They're supposed to be the best of the world. Like if you're if you're a good player, such as Luka Don, take Luka Doncic for example. He dropped like 40 and was able to get Slovenia win. So he's obviously coming at the stage. But him as an NBA player for the Dallas Mavericks, he could he had the option to play in Slovenia, just like many others did. Like Rudy Gobert, who's on this France team that was able to beat that was able to beat the U.S. You think that the U.S. basketball team would be the best team, right? Like that that would make, that would make the most sense. Because if you're if you're good enough at at another country, Luca from Slovenia, Giannis from Greece, um, Rudy Gobert from France, and so many others, you come to the U.S. Not based on the fact that like like that the NBA basketball is better. It's just that that's where the money is. Like these guys follow the money. They follow the money to be because 
they because that that I mean that's what pays the bills. They they follow the money because they want they want to be able to known be known on a because they want to be known on a national stage. And for a lot of the cases when it comes to basketball, they're known on the world stage with the NBA and for most of the world being only one step down from the Olympics. So if you're a basketball player and it's not one of the one of the years that the Olympics are live, you're coming to the NBA because you can make money and you can be seen on a world stage because there are just so many more people watching that sport than there are people watching in Slovenia, France, and others. With Rudy Gobert mentioned, er, er, two different NBA stars from this France team were the ones that were able to lead the France to this win over the U.S. basketball team. And that was Evan Foyer, who is a guard on the Orlando Magic, and Rudy Gobert, who is a center on the Utah Jazz currently. He, uh, Foyer had 28 points, and Rudy Gobert had nine rebounds. So I, I just think these, these guys are really showing up with with like how how they're how they're playing like and a lot of as a lot as many different professionals in this sports world like and and former such as just many different many different names one of the big ones being Kendrick Perkins who was a if you know was a big man for the Orlando Magic he has come out and said that he really feels like U.S. needs to raise the bar like this is this is kind of this is kind of really just just like a shaming like it's just kind of a shame from the just the fans of the U.S. who really expect to see a lot from this U.S. basketball team because they expect them to be the best in the world because the NBA is made up of the best players in the world. It just makes sense to these people that that would be how the natural natural chain of command would work in the Olympics. But it's just this year, it's just not looking like that's the case. It's not looking like U.S. basketball is going to overpower people. A lot of people are saying it's not even looking like the basketball team is going to make it to maybe not even the bronze game. Like That would be absolutely crazy to me. To to not to be able to go the bronze game for the basketball team, and not even have the U.S. there, like having all these players, Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, and many others, and just not even be there, like they're they're like they're not even they're not even talked about because they're just not even there. Like they they weren't able to be good enough to beat these guys that are made up of only they a team of all all stars or close to all all stars or at least all NBA and many multiple many time all stars. We're not be able to beat teams that are made up of at most one or two all stars, and the rest just people from that country who skill wise were not able to make it in the in the NBA because they 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 just weren't skilled enough compared to the other competition that makes up the NBA. With that said, I'm going to finish off the steps by giving a little medal update so far in the Olympics. China is actually leading the U.S. in total overall medals. With 18, with 18 medals. The U.S. comes in second with 15 medals, and Japan coming in at third with 13 medals. Medal specific, Japan does lead the gold medals. Japan has eight gold medals. U.S. has seven gold medals, and China has six gold medals. Then you also have, you have China leading the silvers with five, and Italy is also coming in there with four. Now, and then looking, then finished off with the bronze. You have China coming in there with seven, U.S. coming in with five bronze medals, and Italy coming in with four bronze medals. So that's just kind of a little medal breakdown for going for what where we stand right now. Obviously, there are many more Olympic events to be played. There are many more, many more like basketball games to be played. There are just many more events in general to be played. So obviously, this is this this Olympics is far from over. But that's just right now. Those medal totals are where we stand at this point. With the with with the U.S. actually not leading, that doesn't say that they can't come back. A lot would expect them to. But at this point, China does lead U.S. in the total medals that the uh, that the athletes have won for their specific country at this uh, at this 2021 Tokyo Olympic Games. 
With this said, this wraps up Season 2, Episode 59 of the Sports Run All Podcast.